0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Folklore Scotland podcast. This is the Cranog, where we do a panel-based discussion about uh, folklore based on a specific theme. This week, a lot of our presenters had quite busy weeks on, so we've not been able to bring you the usual episode where we all kind of chat together live. Instead, we're all going to give you a story based on folklore involving animals um, and just recite our little bits that we would normally do, minus the discussion. So I apologise for the blip in the regular programming, but we'll be back to normal next time with the Cranog.
1: Scottish folklore is full of stories about man's best friend, but maybe none quite as mysterious as that of McPhee and his black dog. Now, McPhee was the laird of Colonsay and he was a brave and courageous clan chief. He was kind of regarded as almost a magical figure, protecting his people with legendary exploits. And while he was returning from one of his many, many extraordinary missions, McPhee met an old man selling a litter of puppies. Now, he wasn't actually looking for a dog, but when he locked eyes with the one black puppy in the litter, his coat as dark as night. He couldn't say no. Now the old man warned him. He said, this was no ordinary hunting hound. You wouldn't go off, you wouldn't hunt with others. Do you really, really want to take this one? But McPhee knew this was his black dog. And the man followed up with, you know, she's actually only going to work a single day in her entire life. You sure you still want her? McPhee confirmed that he did. With a sigh, the old man admitted that when a black dog's day did come, she would do her work well. Now the months and the years passed and the black dog grew into a fine hound. McPhee loved his dog, and she loved him. She would follow him around Collinsley like a shadow, but as hard as he would try, she just always refused to join him on a hunt. His friends all told him, just get rid of her. What use was a dog that wouldn't hunt? Better just shoot it now, save having to spend time feeding it. Every time an argument arose, McPhee would sagely reply, No, the black dog's day has not yet come. One day, McPhee was leading a group to Jura on a big hunt. He called out to the black dog to join him on the ship, but she barely lifted an eyebrow. The hunters set sail, eager for the thrill of the chase, but strong winds blew them straight back to shore. Next day, the sea looked calm. The hunters decided they would try again. Once more, McPhee called to the dog, but she just lifted up her nose and sniffed the air, yawned loudly, sailed back down to sleep. But just as before, once the boat had left, Collins a terrible storm blew up. The group were forced to return. On the third day, without anybody calling, they found a the dog patiently waiting for them in the boat. McPhee took it as a sign and shouted, The Black Dog's Day is growing near. The sea stayed calm, the wind was favourable for McPhee, the Black Dog and hunting party. Crossed to Jura, they sailed, and the hunt could finally start. The black dog didn't seem as interested once they landed on the island again. She just sat down and watched. The men might have been irritated, but things had been going so well for them. Something like that wasn't going to spoil the day. It certainly didn't spoil their hunt. So with that successful day's hunting under the belts, the group took shelter in a big cave for the night. The men were feasting and boasting and thoroughly enjoying their trip. The black dog just snoozed away at McPhee's feet. One of the group declared that the only thing they needed now was a little female company. Now we just make this day perfect. Almost immediately, a beautiful woman appeared at the entrance to the cave. The men were sitting speechless as she slowly approached McPhee with a mischievous smile on her face. McPhee's black dog wasn't so easily fooled by this creature's charms, though. The dog stood up, raised her hackles and snarled at the woman till she ended up fleeing into the darkness, and the men all broke themselves out of her trance. While McPhee was pondering what on earth had just happened, a huge hand appeared through the cave entrance and grabbed him. Whoever had just tried to take his life through trickery was now resorting to brute force. And up sprang the loyal black dog. It sank its teeth into the giant's arm, clinging on with all of her strength. A roar of pain shook the cobwebs from the cave. The was snatched back, taking the hound out with it. Barks and yelps and cries of pain sounded from outside as the battle raged. The men were frozen in fear by the things that they'd just seen. Eventually, as dawn was breaking, the black dog limped back in the cave and collapsed at McPhee's feet. The giant was nowhere to be seen. It was clear the dog that McPhee loved was mortally wounded. She'd given her life to protect her master. She placed her head in his lap and looked up into his eyes as McPhee whispered The black dog's day has come, and she did her work well.
2: When I first started researching the topic of animals in Scottish folklore, it was quite hard to peel away from the common stories about Kelpies or even Scotland's national animal, the unicorn. However, I was introduced to a story about one of the chiefs of Clenrinald, who was so evil that it caught the eye of the devil who summoned a creature to follow him around. So as the story goes, a clan chief, uh, and just for anyone who's not familiar with clans, a clan is almost like a family group so most members of the clan may share the same surname or be joined through other family ties. However, you don't always need to be related to a clan member to be in a clan, and often people living in the same local regions would be in the same clan. If you ask Google, there are over 500 Scottish clans worldwide. However, most Scottish tartan shops and gift shops will usually focus on the main 60 to 70 clans, and each will have its own unique tartan colours and pattern these are always really cool if you go to somewhere like Edinburgh uh, and you can pick them all out and you can see all the different colours. I was quite fascinated by that when I first came to Scotland. I think the tartan um, is really really pretty and it's nice to hear some of the stories about the old clans. Um, So anyway, back to the story uh, about John. He was the 12th chief of Clan Lrenald who resided in Castle Cherum. The castle was originally built in 1358 overlooking Loch Moydart and John took a seat at the castle in the 1670s when he was roughly in his late 40s. Also, by the way, just to provide a bit of background about how powerful this man was, his clan was a branch of the Macdonald clan, which is also one of the largest of the Highland clans in terms of population. Uh, it was roughly on the west coast um, near Fort William, for those who are familiar with the location. Um, so the chief would oversee a lot of people in the area and he was in charge of a lot of people. Also, likely many staff who helped around the castle itself and the grounds. But unfortunately, John was a very twisted and evil man. Um, he had a gun that he loved and he named it Cuckoo because of his shooting tactic when he used it. He'd appear quickly and he'd fire, fire very loudly. And he would often be seen patrolling the highest points of the castle and just taking shots at any moving target, whether it was wildlife like deer. Um, or even his own clansmen and he did this for seemingly no reason other than to cure his boredom. He was a truly heartless man and in one particular incident, which is told across a few stories, um, two men and a woman were suspected of stealing from the castle and as he couldn't determine or prove who did it, he requested that all three of them would be tortured and killed. Due to his evil nature, over time he became known as Black Donald of the Cuckoo, Or Black Donald for short and this name is sometimes used in other Scottish tales when talking about the devil. But John's deeds didn't go unpunished entirely. It was said that his behavior had caught the eye of the devil himself who summoned a demonic creature to haunt and follow John around, a very large black toad. In some retellings of the story it suggested the toad might actually have been a gift from the devil rather than a warning and it was sent to him as his companion and pet. But in both versions of the tale the thing that is persistent is that the frog was a way to let john know that dark forces were watching him. in some quite humorous versions of the tale um, it said the toad would grow every time john fed him um, and this would just keep happening for years on end and it became so large that it would terrify the clansmen. but for a long time john tried to escape from the frog because he came to realize the demonic nature of the creature And despite having very loose morals, he was a religious man and he knew that the frog was a bad omen. He attempted to lock the frog away, sail to new islands, even feed it to a lion as part of a ritual to cleanse his soul. But each time the frog would reappear again, um, either next to his boat or in his castle or just near him and it would just not leave him alone. After many years of this torment, John eventually died in 1686 when he was roughly in his late 50s. In some versions of the story, it said a tall dark figure presumed to be the devil came to collect his soul upon his death. However, one thing that is common uh, amongst all the tales is that when John eventually passed, the frog also disappeared, proving that it was tied to John. Upon his death, and the frog's disappearance. Um, it was accompanied- the event was accompanied by the sound of John's gun, the cuckoo, firing for one final time. This is such a creepy story and I'm really glad that Graham suggested it to me because I do love horror tales and this one's definitely got a unique twist. It's Possibly, certainly off the top of my head, the only story I can think of where the bad guy lives to old age and nothing really happens to him. Like the frog never harmed him. It was just a nuisance, a pest, and it, it was scary and it drove people away. But that wasn't something that harmed John because he didn't care. He wanted people to fear him. And in a way, the frog helped him achieve the status of this leader who was to be feared but also respected. If he was able to have this frog as a pet and look after it and nurture it and it scared people away that was seen as something that's out of this world and it would have perhaps helped him achieve his goal of being this kind of terrifying leader. Um, and although it wasn't mentioned much in the tales John was actually married um, and his wife seemingly didn't divorce him or possibly couldn't um, because it was a very religious time and a divorce isn't something that would have been allowed but um, she's not mentioned much in the stories and allegedly this is because he loved his weapons and his guns so much more than his wife that he was just this man who was in love with power and he didn't care about his family. He also lived to be nearly 60 which for somebody living in kind of the 1680s or 90s is well beyond the life expectancy of the time. It's not really something that's commented on in the stories but um, I do wonder whether it is something to do with the devil um, kind of keeping him on earth that little bit longer um, but it's, it's definitely disappointing that nothing really happened to him in terms of he wasn't punished for his deeds and he seemingly got away with the way he treated people though who knows perhaps his afterlife wasn't so kind to him perhaps we'll never know Um, though wouldn't it be great if we could identify bad folk just by checking if they're being followed around by a demonic black frog? (laughs) I think it would make life a lot easier or scarier depending which way you look at it. Um, No doubt there are many evil people around the world, Um, maybe identifying them that easily would be a little bit too scary but just something to think about.
3: The tale of Bruce and the Spiders, a well-known one, perhaps due to it being a strong message and perseverance. In 1306, Robert the Bruce murdered his competitor for the Scottish throne, John Common, and crowned himself king. Later that year, he met defeat at the Battle of Methven, at the hands of the English. With almost his entire army destroyed, Bruce and what survivors remained fled through the Persia hills, until they were met by a force from Clan MacDougall, who were loyal to the Common family. This led to a bloody battle known as the Battle of Dolrai, where it's said that Bruce was cornered and only just managed to fight his way to freedom. Miraculously, the king survived but was driven into exile. Three of his brothers were executed and his sister was captured by the English. He now found himself on the run, hiding in dark corners across his country to save his life. Legend has it that while he was hiding out in a cave, Bruce took to watching a spider that was struggling to build a web. Whenever the little spider appeared to make progress, it would fall, only to climb back up again and attempt to weave a web once more. Eventually, after trying and trying and trying again, the spider managed to weave one single line of silk and from there was able to build its web. Bruce took from this that, if at first you don't succeed, try, try and try again, and went on to defeat the English at the Battle of Bannockburn in 1314 despite the Scottish army being outnumbered around 7,000 to 13,000. Many caves claim to be the legendary location where Bruce found renewed determination in his cause. From King's Cave at Drumadun on Arran, to Uvan Van Rye in Craig Ruey, or perhaps Bruce's Cave in Kirkpatrick Fleming, Dumfrieshire. Whether merely legend or a true tale of inspiration, it can be safe to say that we should all learn a lesson from Bruce's spider.
0: The Folklore Scotland podcast is brought to you by Folklore Scotland, the charity that tells the tales of the past with the technology of today. You can visit our website at folklorescotland.com. If you're keen to become a voluntary contributor or would like to get in touch, send us an email at info at scotland.com. You can also find all of our social media links and a complete list of sources for today's topics in the show notes. Many thanks again to Lindley for providing the stunning artwork for this week's episode. Next week, you can look forward to another Catfire Tales episode, followed by a trip into the Greenwood with Rosie and Kathy. the week after that. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.